Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I've entitled this message, What Do You Do When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer? If there's ever a message we need today, it's this one. What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer? Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Notice this. But he answered her, not a word. Y'all see that? Nothing. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Notice that. But he answered and said to the disciples, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Seems kind of cold, does it? He's not. He's testing her. Then she came and worshipped him. Notice that. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I preached this text, but I've never preached this text like I'm going to preach it this morning. But can I teach you something? Maybe this will help somebody. When she came the first time, she was using Jewish terminology. Son of David, have mercy. That's something a Jew would say. She was a Gentile. She was playing games. She was trying to manipulate Jesus. Trying to say all the right things, pull all the right strings, pull all the right buttons, push all the right knobs, pull the knobs, push the She was trying to do the things. If I can just manipulate him, if I say the right things, and Jesus said, I'm not having any of that. You can come to church and sing these songs and lift your hands, but if your heart's not in it and you're playing games, God's going to look at you and say, I'm having none of that. You won't feel a thing. And she realized this ain't cutting it. She realized God doesn't work this way. And she laid aside all of that duplicity, that superficiality, and she just fell at his feet. And from her heart, she worshiped him. Watch what happens. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. He's testing her faith. And look what happens. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Can you say praise the Lord to the word of God and for God's work? You can be seated this morning. Let me help you understand what's happening here. I'm going to start slow, and then I'm going to gain some momentum, hopefully. <laughs> but I want, to, I want to lay a good foundation. So because of the heavy strain of ministry, Jesus leaves the region of the land of Israel and goes to the land uh, where, or the region of the cities of Tyre and Sidon. If you're wondering where that, that's at, that's in modern-day Lebanon. He's trying to get a little R&R, but his rest and relaxation are interrupted by a Syrophoenician woman who had a great need. And we just read it. Her daughter was demon-possessed. I want to stop right here and say I think 
most if not all of us can identify with this woman. Not that we have a child who's demon possessed, but rather that we understand what it means to have great needs. There are times in our lives when things arise, when things happen, and we understand that we, we've got to have God. The doctor can't fix this. The banker can't fix this. The counselor can't fix this. The preacher can't fix this. God has got to work for me. And so that's the case here. And the woman finds Jesus and she cries out to the Lord for her daughter. And in the terminology that we are familiar with, we would say that she prayed. She did what we would call intercessory prayer. And, of course, she was motivated by love for her child. She was passionate. There was fire there was urgency in her pleas. It's interesting to note she was unrelenting in her cries. There was great determination on her part. And again, I think there are some lessons we can learn about prayer here. Often, we come to God with the things that we have in our life. We come to God about things. We come to God for things. Uh, sometimes we pray for ourselves. Sometimes we pray for others. Some things are more important or more critical than others. But I have learned that there are two kinds of prayers that we pray. The one is what I call sort of the quick momentary prayer. It, I, I do this. I did it this week. I thought about it. I did it this week. We get, we get emails in the church with prayer requests. And those emails are then dispersed to the pastor so that we can pray over them. And, and, and a lot of times I know the person in the prayer request, but there are times I don't. I have no idea who this person is. And so I will stop whatever I'm doing when I, I pull up the email and I'll say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, just please help this person. And then I move on. That's sort of that quick, momentary prayer. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good for us to do that. The second kind of prayer, though, is that intense, extended prayer where you get down to business with God. Where you say, this now I lay me down to sleep, prayer ain't going to cut it. God, we got to talk. God, I've got some things on my heart. God, I'm burdened. I'm overwhelmed. I am, I am depressed. I am frustrated. I'm anxious. And you take 5 or 10 or 15 minutes or longer, and you're talking to God and telling him all of the minutia and the details and the dynamics, and you're, you're telling him how you feel and your struggles. And, and I know that God hears all the prayers of his children, but, y'all, there is something about that passionate, heartfelt plea. In James 5.16, James said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. One translation says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man gets the job done. You know, I'm just here to tell you this morning, sometimes you just got to get alone with God and pour your heart out. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that. There's, there, there are times when you may cry while you pray. There may be times when you get loud when you pray. There are times when you may beat the altar or beat the wall or beat the steering wheel while you're praying. It's not that you're mad. It's just you're intense because of the nature of the need that's in your life. You may pace the floor and pour out your heart to God. We need to do these kind of things. But this brings me back to the question that plagues me that's plagued me this week, that has burdened me this week, what do you do when you do all of that, when you pray like that, and then God doesn't answer your prayers? What do you pray, what do you do when you pray and the heavens seem like brass? It's not getting any further than the sky. I prayed sometimes and I wondered if it was getting through the ceiling. 
What, what do you do when you feel like your prayer just isn't getting through to God? You pray and God is silent like Jesus did with this woman. You pray and there are no answers given to you. You, you don't receive direction. You don't, you don't get a breakthrough. You don't get a miracle. You don't get victory over your enemy. What do you do when you've prayed and nothing happened? So let me teach you something that's very, very important. I've taught this before, but if you've never heard it, you need to hear it this morning. Essentially, when you pray and talk to the Lord, you, the Lord will respond in one of three ways. He will say yes and answer your prayer. And we love that, don't we? He will say no. And he said, I'm not going to do it. And you might as well quit and go on your way. How many know that country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, has a little spirituality to it? Because you better be glad there's some prayers God didn't say yes to. Because if he had, you would have regretted it and wished that it never would have happened. God knows better. But the third response, yes, no, the third response is wait. Wait. Now, we don't like wait because we want what we want now. But there are times when God says wait, and that's, that's not God being mean or bad. That's God being God and God being sovereign and God doing what he ought to do, what he wants to do. But we can misinterpret wait. We can misjudge it. We can be fooled by it and not read it correctly. And the devil will help you misinterpret wait. Now, I might help a few folks right here. The devil will whisper in your ear, God's not real. See, you've prayed, nothing happened. God's not real, so there's no one there. You need to just stop this. Or... The devil knows that's not going to work on you because you believe God is real. So he'll say, well, now listen, nothing's happening. Evidently, God doesn't care about you and your need because if he cared, he would answer your prayer. And he gets you doubting God and thinking that God doesn't care about you. Or he'll say, well, if God doesn't think your need is important enough to answer you right now, you know what? Then neither should you. He doesn't think it's a big deal. Why don't you just minimize this and go on your way? And he will keep you from praying and pursuing the answer to that need in your life. You see, he's taking weight and twisting it and turning it to diminish your faith and your spiritual activity. So don't misinterpret weight. If he says no, you'll know it. Okay? So what if weight's no? No. If he says no, you'll know it. Doors will close. People will say no to you. Things will shut down. You'll know if it's God, he says no. If it's yes, you'll know because you'll get your answer. But if it's wait and nothing is happening, then don't misinterpret wait. There, there is an old saying. So I, I, want, I wanted to teach you this morning and then I'm going to preach. There is an old saying that you need to grab a hold of, memorize it, and then use it when you need to. This is the old saying. Old timers will teach you this. Delay is not denial sometimes we think that because God is delaying and answering our prayers that that's no that he's denying us but it's not true if God says nothing I want to encourage you this morning that means he's working on it he's working on it if he hasn't told you no so you know it's kind of like dumb and dumber so God you're telling me there's a chance and yes, God's saying, oh, there's absolutely, a, as a matter of fact, there's more than a chance. I'm working on it. 
How many of you believe God is sovereign? How many believe God has a plan? How many believe God has a timing for everything? How many believe God is in control? Come on, I feel like half of you believe it. How many believe God is in control of your life? And if he is, then you can trust him. You just wait, and they that wait upon the Lord shall. Shall, I love that. Not might, not maybe, not perhaps, not possibly, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Don't know when, don't know how, but I know it's coming. So this takes me back again to my question. What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer? You're, you're wise enough to know that it's, it's not no, it's not yet, yes, it's wait. What do you do? It's a critical time. What do you do? I find in this story of this Syrophoenician woman, answers. And believe it or not, last Sunday I told you preachers got to have three points. I've only got two. So here's answer number one. When you're waiting for God to come through, you worship. You worship. The Syrophoenician woman prayed. Jesus said nothing to her. It was as if he ignored her. The disciples tried to push her away. I told you, I'm, I'm repeating myself, she, she came back, she fell at his feet, and she worshipped him. Our English word worship is from the old English word worth-ship. Actually, is W-O-E-R-T-H-S-H-I-P, worth-ship. So what does that tell us? Fundamentally, worship is about what is worth or worthy to you, has worth or is worthy to you. So let me give you this. Fundamentally, then, you worship God because he has worth or value to you. He means something to you. He's important to you. But it goes deeper than that, and I want you to get a hold of this. It's very important. That's sort of secondary. Okay, so you worship him because, Lord, you are, you're worth something to me. But I got news for you. If you didn't even exist, he'd still be worthy of anybody and everybody's worship because he is inherently worthy of your adoration and your esteem. God has earned our worship simply because of who he is. There is no one like God, and he is worthy of your praise, and he is worthy of your worship. Can I preach right now? You worship him because he is the only God. You worship him because he is the true God. You worship him because he is the living God. You worship him because he is the God who saves and delivers and heals. You worship him because he is the God who created everything that exists ex nihilo out of nothing. You worship him because he is the God who just speaks and things materialize out of thin air. You worship him because he is the giver and the sustainer of all life. 
You worship him because he is the one in whom we live and move and have our very existence. You worship him because he is the God who laid aside his glory, robed with flesh, and came to this earth as a baby in Bethlehem. You worship God because that God-man went to the cross, laid down his life for your redemption. And then on the third day, we worship him because he orchestrated his own resurrection and came out of the tomb that third Sunday. That's why we got excited on that song in resurrection power. That's why you worship him. You worship him because he is the God who is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You worship him because he is the almighty God. You worship him because he is the all-knowing God. You worship him because he is the always-present God. You worship him because he is the eternal God, for from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You worship him because he is the unchanging God. You worship him because he's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the start and the finish. He is the faithful and true one, and he is our God. He is, the, he is the God. He is just God, and that's why you worship him. Somebody in this house ought to be praising him and worshiping him right now. You know what the two greatest sins of the church are? Sin number one is centering worship around ourselves. Centering worship around ourselves. You come to church, you're going to worship today? Well, I worship if I feel like it. You're going to worship today? Well, I worship if they sing the right song. Are you going to worship today? Well, I worship if life is good, but if life's not so good, I'm just going to sit. You're going to worship today? Well, I worship if all the bills are paid. You are centering worship around yourself. You are making yourself the center of the worship universe. Here's the problem. What if you don't feel like it? What if they don't sing your song? What if life is difficult right now? What if there's more month than there is money? You cannot create contingencies because if you don't worship, God gets cheated out of what is rightfully his, and that's your adoration and your praise. You bring it with you to church, but it's kind of like the tithe. You want to get it out and get it in the offering plate because it's not yours. It belongs to God. It's the same way with praise and worship. I could help some of y'all. When you get out of the car next Sunday and walk in and say, I got praise in this pocket and worship in this pocket, and I'm going to bring them here, and I'm going to give them to God, and when I leave, my pockets are going to be empty because I came here today to lift up his name and give him what he deserves. Give him my praise. Give him my glory. Glory. Give him my gratitude. Empty your pockets. It's a great sin of the church, centering our worship around ourselves. Here's the second sin of the church, making our worship contingent on God's blessing. You want to worship? Well, if God's been good to me this week, God's been good to me this week, I'll worship him. You're going to worship him? Well, if I feel his presence. I've been in a few churches where I didn't feel anything. 
Are you going to worship him this morning? Well, if God answers my prayers and comes through for me, well, then I'll worship him. Do you see what we're doing? We're putting stipulations on our worship. Here's the problem with this approach. Your worship is no longer based on God's inherent worthiness. I'm going to step on some toes right here. You're basing your worship on how well he makes life comfortable for you and makes life good for you. Get mad at me if you want to. That's the sin of the church. I got a question that I couldn't wait to bring you this morning. Do you worship God for what he does for you? Or do you worship God for what he's done for you? You don't, okay. He said, well, what's the answer? Yes, you should express gratitude and praise and worship when God does something for you. But that's secondary. The primary reason you worship the Lord is because one day he did something for you that nobody else could do. You lift him up because one day he lifted you up out of the miry clay of sin, washed you with his precious ruby red blood, wrote down your name in the Lamb's book of life, put you in the body of Christ, adopted you as his child and made you an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's why you worship him. Not because of what he does for you, but because of what he's done. I got to thinking, some of you ought to be in jail right now. Some of you ought to be in a mental institution right now. Some of you ought to be broke right now. Some of you ought to be homeless and on the streets right now. But you're not because God came into your life and saved you and changed the trajectory of your life. You've got a reason to praise him. I want to say this. If God didn't do another thing for you, if he cut off the flow of his blessings in your life today, you could still praise him every Sunday, every day, to the day you die, just because of the fact that he saved you from your sins and made you right with God. Somebody ought to praise him in this house this morning. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. How many glad for what he did for you? How many are glad for what he did for you? How many are glad for what he did for you? Hallelujah. You can be seated. Let me preach some more. This is in my notes, but I've preached this. You know why some people stand up and some don't? There could be a lot of reasons. Let's just talk about why some people stand up. Because they were deep in it. They were deep in it. They remember where God brought them from. Some of us, we got a memory problem. I don't, I don't really recommend going back and thinking much about your life of sin, but every once in a while you need to just go back and have a recollection time of what you were and how you talked and how you acted and how messed up your life was. And you don't know why except because it was grace and mercy and God's incomprehensible love, but he reached out to you, he appealed to you, he chased you, the hounds of heaven ran you down, God didn't give up on you when everybody else gave up on you. I'm preaching right now. God didn't give up on you when your mother gave up on you. Your daddy gave up on you. The church had given up on you. But God said, I'm not giving up on you. And God saved your soul. My God, I wish five people would praise him in this house like they feel like praising him because of what he's done for you in your life.
We used to sing, when I think about what the Lord has done, when I think about where he's brought me from, when I think about what, how, what he was to say, when I think about what he did for me, when I think about his many, many victories, I can't help myself. I got to praise him. That's the way you ought to be every week. You ought to feel like I can't help myself. I got to praise him. Hallelujah. Sit down. Let me preach some more. So when God hasn't answered your prayer, come to church and worship him anyhow. Get up in the morning and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sunday morning and you're in the middle of the fight and God hasn't answered your prayer. Say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God's been good to me, who has forgiven all my iniquities, healed all my diseases, redeemed my life from destruction, crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. Every day, get up and worship him anyhow. I'll get to that in a minute. What is the second thing? We extrapolate these powerful principles from this story. What is the second thing you should do? When you're in that holding pattern and the, and the airplane of your life is circling the airfield of your miracle. Hmm. That wasn't in my notes, but I like that. Somebody write that down so I can put that in my notes later if I preach this in a camp meeting somewhere. What do you do, brother and sister? You maintain your faith. Keep believing in what you know is true. The Syrophoenician woman, I like this about this woman. Now, a lot of people, she'd be irritating. She was irritating. She was an irritating woman. Praise the Lord. Must be a couple of irritating women in here today. Praising the Lord. I'm not even going to look over there to see who said it. <laughs> but this woman didn't quit. Did y'all notice that in the story? She didn't quit. Did you see that? She continued to believe that God would come through for her daughter. Jesus isn't saying a word. It's waiting. He hasn't told her no, but he hasn't said yes. But she refused to withdraw her confidence in Christ and the way that she maintained her faith. There is a way. There is a there is an operation. Is it was through consistent prayer. And I know you saw it when we read the text. She prayed so much that she got on the disciples' nerves. The temptation that we all face and fight is to give up. When you've prayed about it once or maybe twice and nothing has occurred, don't get mad at me. Don't get at me. Let, let, me, be, let me do a diagnosis. If you do this, you pray once or twice and nothing happens and you give up, please don't get mad. But that's, that's the manifestation of superficial faith. That's, that's the manifestation of immature faith. 
the manifestation of deep faith, of mature faith, is that you just keep on praying. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. This is biblical. It's a biblical concept. In Luke chapter 11, you, maybe you've read this, maybe you haven't. Jesus starts talking about this very thing and he admonishes us to ask and you shall receive. Seek. Y'all know the rest of it? You shall find. Knock. and the. But what we don't see, and the translators could fix this, but they instead rely on commentary. But in the original Greek, it is written in the present progressive tense. I'm not making this up. I'm not doing anything that does harm to the scriptures. As a matter of fact, I'm helping you to see what Jesus actually said. Because he said it in the present progressive tense. We understand tenses, don't we? Past tense, present tense, future tense. What he was saying was, and they understood this when he said it, ask and keep on asking and you shall receive. Seek and keep on seeking. Don't give up and you will find it. Knock and keep on knocking. And that door will be open to you. And even told illustrations of an irritable woman who was an old widow who kept going to the judge because she had an adversary who had taken advantage of her. And she's trying to get the judge to give her justice, but he doesn't really care. But she stayed on him and griped so much that he said, either I don't care what God thinks or men thinks, I'm going to give this woman what she wants because she's getting on my nerves. That's a story in the Bible. And then you got those people that stay out late. And a man stayed up late and his friend showed up late and he didn't go to Ingalls and get groceries Friday. And now he's got nothing to feed him because there was nothing open because they traveled late. And all the restaurants were closed. So he wants to make him a scrambled egg sandwich. For some of you it would be a tomato sandwich. But he doesn't have any bread. And so he goes to the next door neighbor. It's midnight. Everybody's in bed. But he starts banging on the door. The guy's half awake. He doesn't know if it's the police. He don't know if it's a robber. He gets up. He's half asleep. Who is it? It's me, your neighbor, Charlie. Charlie is a biblical name. Charlie, go away. My family's in bed. What are you doing? I got a guy that showed up. They're hungry. I need some bread. I didn't get to the store. Go away. I'm going to bed. He keeps banging on the door. You know what his friend does? He gives Charlie some bread so he'll go away. The principle, we're laughing, but the principle is there. God says, I could do it for you the first time, but sometimes I just want to see if you're just using me like a coin machine, like a candy machine, or if you really want something because you love me and you, 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 you're, you're not using me. God says, I want to see how much, well, how, what is this all about? Sometimes God tries our faith, tests our faith, and so when he doesn't answer the first time, the second time, I'm telling you all, just go back and pray again. You haven't got baptized with the Holy Ghost and you prayed twice, go back and pray again. You have been praying for two months, pray three months. I've been praying for two years. I don't understand the ways of God, but go pray the third year. They that wait upon the Lord shall. They that wait upon the Lord shall. I need a healing. I, Pastor, I've been struggling now for days. It's gone to weeks. It's gone to months. You know, the easiest thing to do is just quit praying and say, well, the doctor said this. That's the way it's going to be. If you did that on everything in life, God would never get a chance to move, would he? But when you're sick and things are bad, 
just keep praying. I, I, Pastor, my bills have gotten, I've gotten debt. I've had some unexpected debt. Do everything you can, but pray and keep praying. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you today? We knock, we seek, we ask. That's what this woman did. She kept pounding away at the Lord. It's a biblical concept. Stay on your knees. Don't give up. Put your need at the top of your list each time you top it. I put this in my notes. Pray until you get on the angel's nerves. I don't know if they hear the prayers, but if they do, just pray until that one of the angels says, Oh, God, great God Almighty, just do it for them, Lord. I didn't ask permission. I don't think I need permission because they've been very public about their testimony. But the woman who stood right here, Jennifer Cox, her husband Nate, many of you know their story. Some of you may not, but the woman who stood up here praising and worshiping the Lord this morning, leading us last year, had a horrible situation where her son suffered a tragic accident. It was life-threatening. Rushed him up to Prisma Hospital in Greenville. We rushed over there. It didn't look good. We were praying. People were crying out to God. We just didn't know. But Jennifer made up her mind. And I believe God gave her, I, I really believe God gave her the, the gift of faith. That faith that goes beyond what everybody else has. And she wouldn't give up on her baby. She wouldn't give up. I'm talking about she kept praying every day and said, God's going to heal him. God's going to touch him. And I'd go up to see her to encourage her. And I'll be honest, she encouraged me. Didn't she, Leah? We'd go up and she'd encourage us. Talking about the Lord. She had some weak times. Every once in a while she'd hit a low spot and she'd call me and I'd encourage her. She'd get back up and just walked in faith. And days went to weeks and weeks went to months. But what happened? That little boy started coming around. That little boy started doing things they didn't think he could do. That little boy started talking. That little boy started having conversations. That little boy got up and walked. Oh, you're clapping now, but this just past week he started school, went back to school this week. My God, I feel the whole You don't give up. I'm sorry, Jennifer, I'm making you cry, baby, but thank God for what he's done. Nate, y'all walked in faith. Your family walked in faith because you refused to give up. These two reactions to delay, worship and persistent prayer, are evident in one of the Psalms. I'm almost there. I'm not there yet, though. Somebody said, you're going to let my people go when I'm ready. Hold on. Pharaoh ain't ready. Hold on. Psalm 42 was not written by David. It was written by the sons of Korah. One of them was in the valley. One of them, life had dealt him a hard blow, and he was reeling from its impact. But he made a decision to trust God for a victory. And I, I love what I see in the Bible. He had to talk to himself. Y'all, Scott, your wife works for me, and she's now making me preach sometimes. She's working in the nursery. She makes me come in the office and preach my sermon to her on Thursdays. So she's back there laughing right now. They, they got a speaker back there. 
but but I was telling Lisa this, and and and, and Lisa served the Lord a long time like me, and she agreed immediately. I said, you know, sometimes you got to talk to yourself. You believe that, elder? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to like David. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And this old boy talked to himself. And here's what he said. He said, why are you disquieted within me, O my soul? Why are you cast down within me? Now, this guy was feeling low. He was fighting depression. He was walking in anxiety. There was a storm going on on the outside, but there was a storm raging on the inside. So he's talking to himself. And he said, why are you this way? I know why. I've asked the question. It's a rhetorical question. I know why we're feeling this way. But this is what he said to himself next. Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet praise him. Oh, you had not got it yet. Hope in the Lord. He's talking to himself. For I shall yet. I preached this before, but I want to preach it again today. Hope in the Lord. You know what that's doing? That says, he's saying, maintain your faith. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep trusting God. Keep serving the Lord. Be faithful. He's been faithful to me. And then he said, I shall yet praise him. I shall yet. See, there's a thing. I've taught this. Some of you knew the church, so you need to learn this. It's called a yet praise. It's a yet praise. I preach in African-American churches. I've listened to African-American preachers. They understand a yet praise a little better than we white folk do. They do. They, they understand a yet praise. You can, oh, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, am I right, Pastor T? you giving me a nod for yes. You, you, they'll, they'll come up and say, you yet holding on? You better tell them yeah. Because if you don't, they'll grab you and take you down the altar and a, the, the church mamas will pray you through. Big mama will get a hold of you and pray you through. Come on, some of y'all don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of y'all do. You yet holding on, I'm yet holding on. They, they know what it means. Sometimes you go through life, life gets rough. They understand a yet praise. Yet praise. Say, Pastor, I don't understand a yet praise. Let me preach to you a yet praise. It goes like this. He hasn't answered my prayer yet, but I'll still praise him. Come on, somebody. He hasn't come through for me yet. But I'll still praise him. I haven't seen a breakthrough yet, but I'll still worship him. My circumstance hasn't changed yet. I don't have an answer yet. I haven't found a solution yet. No one's helped me yet, but I'll still bless his name. I'm at my wit's end. The devil is breathing down the back of my neck. I'm facing a deadline. The doctors have done all they can do. The money is all gone. I've exhausted all my resources, but I'm still coming to church this Sunday. I'm still going to clap my hands. I'm still going to lift my hands. I'm still going to sing the songs. There might be tears running down my cheeks, but don't you worry about me. Everything's going to be all right because God is in control and God is working in my life. And that's why I still... That's why I still praise him. Somebody stand to your feet in this house and give God, give him another hand clap of praise and give him praise this morning. Hey, 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 hallelujah. I want all the prayer.
choir team members, get up here real fast. I'm not through preaching, but just get up here real fast. Stand here and you can just stand and look at these people. Just stand there and stare at them. They're going to stare at you. We're about to have an altar call. God's about to do something powerful in this house this morning. Come on, elders, deacons, wives, life group leaders, department leaders, you know who you are. Pastors, I need you up here. I need every one of you. I need every. I believe we're going to have an altar call like crazy this morning. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas are in jail. They've been preaching, doing all the right things. God's blessing. Everything's going good. They cast the demon out of a woman. The owners of the slave girl who was demon-possessed make false accusations. They didn't do anything wrong. They got their backs beat unjustly, got thrown into jail unjustly. They're innocent. They threw them into the inner part of the cell, locked them down. It's dark. It's damp. It's wet. It's smelly. There could be sewage down there. They're chained up. They've prayed. You know when they first went in, they prayed. Nothing. Nothing. God doesn't come through. Nobody knows where they're at. Nobody's going to come bail them out. Nobody's going to help them. There isn't an attorney for them, a pro bono attorney. They've got nothing. Time goes on. They wait. And it gets midnight. Midnight, when you're going through something, is the darkest, loneliest time. It's already been dark a long time, and it's still a long time before the, the day's going to break. Midnight is the hardest time when you're going through something. And Silas looked at Paul and said, Paul, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know what else to do except pray some more. But this time they added worship. Bible says they prayed and they sang hymns to God. The music pastor likes that one, doesn't he? They sang hymns to God. I don't know what they sang. They prayed a little while and then they started singing. Maybe they sang through it all. Paul through it all. We've learned to trust in Jesus. We've learned to trust in God. Paul said, Silas, through it all. Whoo, my back hurts. Through it all, we've learned to depend upon his word. Silas said, Paul, I've had many tears and sorrows. Paul said, Silas, I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. Paul said, but Silas, in every situation, God's given us blessed consolation that this trial comes to only make us strong. Through it all, through it all, that's what they're singing, I've learned trust in Jesus and I've learned to trust in God all through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon His Word they're singing and all the other prisoners start waking up what is that boys they won't shut up 
bad enough they're praying, but now what are they doing? They're singing through it all. Through it, what are they singing? Paul said, I thank God for the mountain silence. Right now we're deep down in a valley, but I thank him for the storms he's brought us through. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I could run right now. Because if we didn't have this problem, Silas, we wouldn't know that our God could solve this. We wouldn't know what our faith in his word will do. Hold on. I know you want to sing, but you know what happened? Now, I know they didn't sing that song, but it's my story. But when they sang that verse in my mind, that's when God said, mm, I can't take it. I can't take it. I looked at his watch. He said, yep, that's been long enough. It's about time. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake and the jail began to rock. The building began to quake. And it was a supernatural earthquake because it shook so hard the chains fell off of not just Paul and Silas, but every prisoner in the cell. All the doors supernaturally broke open. Everybody was set free by the power of God. The jailer ran in. By Roman law, if the prisoners escaped, he would have to forfeit his life in their place. He thought they were all gone. He took a sword. He was about to commit suicide. Paul rushed upstairs and said, wait, don't do it. We're all here. You know what I think? I think what is phenomenal about that story is not the earthquake or the miracle, but the fact that all those prisoners sat right in their cells with the chains off and the doors open, and they'd rep, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now to preach this. They'd rather sit in a jail cell in the presence of God than walk out into the world without the presence of God. That's why they didn't leave. That's why they stayed where they were. He said, don't kill yourself, we're all here. He said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family shall be saved. And that night they were all saved and they were baptized and became believers for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, if you'll just worship, if you'll just keep praying, if you'll hold on, God will come through. Your miracle's coming. The victory's coming. The, 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 the breakthrough is coming. The answer is coming. You just got to pray and you got to believe. And that's what the woman did. And God looked at her and said, great is your faith. What faith? And he said, I'm going to do it for you. And that very hour, her daughter was healed of whatever the demon was causing her. And the demon was cast out and she got her miracle. I, I conclude this message with this question. What did you come here with today? What is it that you're facing in your life that you're struggling with? My challenge to you is I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar. If you have to line up four and five deep, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. I want you to get out here and pray one more time, and then I want you to stand down here, and I want you to worship. So stay with me. Hold on this morning. If you say, Pastor Chris, this message is for me. Come on, that's it, honey. Come on. First of all, for people say, this message was for me. Get down here first. Come on. Just come down here. Come on. I'm going to give you a chance to get in these prayer, for these prayer team members. Oh, come on. People are coming from every which direction. Come on. That's it. Come on. This pastor, this message is for me. I need this. I need to come down here and worship a while. I need to come down and pray one more time. Come on. That's it. Keep coming. Line up behind these prayer team members. Just line up behind them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to wait. I want to wait on these folks who are coming. Hallelujah. Shut up, I'm a whole Sunday to the other one. I tell you, 
Hallelujah. John, will you help me out? Just come here and pray for these folks right here. Just please come here and help me out. Nelson, will you help me out? Just come pray. Tracy, help me as well. Just pray for these folks right here. I got some folks I know that, I, that can be prayer warriors on my behalf, my bequest. Just lay your hands on, begin to pray for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, here's what I want to do. Is anybody else coming? I don't want the rest of the, here's some more coming. Quickly come. Quickly come. Hallelujah. That's it. Because I'm about to give an in mass altar call. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the Spirit of God in this house. All right, I want the rest of this church. I want you to pile out. We're going to be doing this for, for a number of stuff. I want you to get out here, get to this altar. And I need you to help me create a prayer environment and a praise environment. So as soon as you get out here, I want you to get out here behind these folks, fill in the, fill in the cracks, fill in the grooves, move all the way up here, surround them, surround these folks. Just keep coming as close as you can this way. Fill in those, and I want you to start praying all over this church. Start praying all over this church and start praising. I want you to create an atmosphere of worship so that these folks, we can worship with them and pray with them right now. Come on, all over this house. Hallelujah, that's it. Stretch your hands toward them and begin praying. Stretch your hands toward them and begin praying right now. Woo! God, I feel the anointing. The anointing is flowing in this house. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.